Shut up and sit down. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I am your host, Greg, and I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. Uh, we haven't uh, been on in a little bit. We had a holiday week last week, and uh, but we're back. So uh, how are you guys doing? How was your holiday? It was good. I did a lot of stuff around the house. I saw a lot of family, and my buddy came home from the Marines, so that's always good to see him. How was uh, your holiday, Ryan? First off, go Bucks. Another oh, flawless you. victory. Oh, you you should have knew that was coming. It's not Goddamn right. It's not even... It's not even a right. Yeah, well, it doesn't I'll tell you, even matter. I'll tell you what. You can have that little win of yours because what's coming for you guys in the college football playoff, that's going to be tough for you guys. Yeah, it's. I mean, key word there. Even, key part of that is we're going to be there. That's. It's not even a rivalry anymore, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> right, no. Ryan. You know I'm just fucking with you. You guys are probably going to win the national championship. Let's be honest. Uh, I don't and, think they're going. Well, uh, they still got to get through Wisconsin again. Yeah, we can go that far. But anyways, but no, yeah, it was a good holiday. Was that, that was that was the icing on the cake for my holiday. Outside of that, it was pretty damn good. So no complaints. Greg, how was good. yours? Oh, mine was fantastic. Uh, my wife had to work, so I was stuck with the oh. one and a half year old uh, going to two different houses in one day in the middle of a nap. So that was not Oof. great, but I powered through and ate food and drank, so that was good. And last and last week was my birthday too, so I got to have like two parties. So it's fun. Happy birthday, Greg. Thank you. Uh, We've got (laughs) quite a bit of stuff to cover. uh, What happens is when you're off for like two weeks because of a holiday, a bunch of stuff goes down. And then when you come back, you got to cram it all into an hour. So um, I think we're going to start on some positives and then just go downhill from there. Uh, The positive we're going to start with is due to an injury to Anthony Mantha, which is not the positive. Uh, Philip Zadina got a call up to the Red Wings. So we were all extremely unexpectedly. I posted it too. I'm like the, the, the only right thing to do would be call up Zadina. He's been on fire in the Griffins. He's playing very well. He's shown that he's improved his game quite a bit. He's worked on his give and go. He's become a more defensive minded player as well as scoring goals. And, And it's time for him to see what he's got. So it comes up and where has he been ever since? On the goddamn third line with uh, he played what one or two games on the second line? Uh, I think the first game he came out. He they put him out there with the top line or the, I'm sorry yep. second line, and then pretty much since then they decided to go because I think they bumped up what Anthony CU. Who did they move up yep. to the top line? No, it was Fabry. First, Fabry, I'm sorry. Well, the first couple games they moved him. They moved Athanasiu down, down to the third line mm-hmm. to put Zadina in the second. But now Athanasiu's back on the second line. And Zadina is stuck with Darren Helm and Franz Nielsen. Um, and for those who have been paying attention, that's really bad. Um, <laughs> garbage and more garbage. I just, I just don't understand how you call up a kid who is arguably your best prospect in your system, your top prospect, and you give him bottom six minutes with third guys who are on the third line, but honestly, they're fourth line plugs, if anything. Mm-hmm. Franz Nielsen has like one point on the season. Darren Helm has six. 
And it's none of them are going to set up Zadina. None of them are going to give him a prime chance to score. Now, I think the only saving grace is that they have finally taken their head out of their ass enough to put Zadina on power play one. But right. it's just in full strength. No one's able to get him the puck. He's had Zadina's had some great shifts where he's doing great setup plays. But the people he's giving the puck to, they're not going to score. So. And they can't get the puck to him consistently enough for him to score. So you might as well just send him back to Grand Rapids at this point if you're going to completely destroy his confidence by playing him on the third line. It makes mm-hmm. no sense to me. But but you're going to bump up Luke Glendening to the first line. like, mm-hmm. And then have, like Ryan was saying Enough. earlier before we started recording, the media completely fawn over Luke Glendening like he's... Grit. Grinder. Like, like he's the Wayne Gretzky of the Red Wings right now. It, it makes no sense to me. Now, I'm not going to put down Luke Glendening because Luke Glendening no. in his own right is a good player. He yes. does what he is supposed to do very well. He's a good defensive player. He's good at winning faceoffs. He's good at board battles. But Luke Glenning is not an exceptionally gifted uh, scoring talent. Luke Glendening's not a replacement for Anthony Mantha. You know who's a replacement for Anthony Mantha? Philip Zadina. You know who has arguably better scoring talent than Anthony Mantha? Philip Zadina. So play him in the spot of Anthony Mantha, where he should be played. You're, make, your top you're making prospect, so much sense right now. It's bad. Your top prospect should be getting top six minutes. I don't even know where to, to begin with this, to be quite I honest. Do. Because... Glenn Denning, to your point, Greg, is a great role player. When he's on those that, that bottom line, they, they've got great chemistry together, and it shows. That's why early on you saw um, Adel Cater and Helm and De La Rose for a bit doing so well together because they were down there on the fourth line. But guess what? They're playing hard against shit equal talent. You put Glenn Denning up there in their top three, you're, yes, he's great defensively, and that's what has been their highlight of him the last several games, but what has not been there on that top line? Scoring. What has been the biggest Achilles heel to this team? They've got, what, four goals over the past six games? Yeah, we're doing great. How about I mean, the goal differential? Had, we're, we'll get there. Don't worry. Not just this, for the <laughs> season. I mean, let's see. Coming into tonight, they're minus 53. Right now, they're minus 55. So we're on our fourth power play. We're, of course, we're broadcasting during another game. So probably get another motherfucker here soon. And but, Sarah just uh, told us to go to sleep so that Zadina will score. So <laughs> I oh, just should. The, the thing is, is like, <sighs> and we've been and Tyler, do you want to throw in your two cents before I go a little further into this? Yeah, I do. I, here's the thing with Zadina. Yeah, I mean, I agree with both of you guys. If he's not going to play at least top six minutes with, with decent players and send him the fuck back down, there's no point of bringing him up here to literally just sit there and, and play with garbage and more garbage. And that's no disrespect to Darren Helm. You know, he's had a decent career himself, but he's also a shell of his, his old self. And, you know, he's had injuries galore here. And then, you know, Valtteri Filippola, who is, is old. Darren Helm's hands Nielsen are currently made one. out of Hot Pockets. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> stone, as stone hands as it gets. So, yes, Zadina hasn't looked great, but he also hasn't played with anybody. Um, he has looked pretty good on the power play. 
looks um, amazing right now in the power play. But, but Zadina's, feels... no, no, you can't say he hasn't looked great because with what he's given, Zadina's had some damn good shifts, and it he looked... feels to me like like he's he's fallen into the trap of this entire team, not shoot the puck. So let's let's just see what it looks like. But I like I said, I would send him back down just because he's not doing himself any good up here. No, you're you're hurting so. his development by playing him with guys who who frankly can't do anything with him. He's supposed to be a high talent forward. He was on fire in Grand Rapids. He had what like 12 points in 13 games that mm-hmm. he was in and you can he comes in because Mantha's hurt and you're trying to tell him you're our future. You're what's eventually going to help bring this team to cup contention, but right now we're going to put you with probably the one of the worst leaguers in the or, uh, the worst centers in the league in Franz Nielsen and uh, a below average winger in Darren Helm. So yeah. I just what and, and I guess this is all culminated into into a big point of I think now all three of us are on team fire Jeff Blaschel. Which is impressive because that it took a long time for us to get there. Yeah, and it, and I said today it's not even because he's not doing what he was brought here to do. It, talent, like the young guys are developing under him, but when you get destroyed so badly and, and continue to roll the same lineup out there three games in a row, knowing that the results are going to be the exact same, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And Jeff Blaschel is rolling the same lines out there game after game, and we're getting steamrolled game after game. Now, are they putting up effort? effort? Yes. The last, who did we play the other day? Who was the second half of our back-to-back? The, uh, not the Toronto game, but the other one. Oh, oh Philly and Washington yeah, were so the two teams. Washington was one of the better efforts that I've seen this season. So... <laughs> I, it, uh, now we lost because you know we're the Red Wings, but it was a very good effort. Now we the problem was we couldn't score. Oh, so what does Blash do? Doesn't switch up the lineups at all. So how how do you expect to score with the same? You think they just need to try a little harder? Like Superman, how does he fly faster? He just sticks his arms out a little more. Like what is, <laughs> what are the Red Wings gonna do? you need to switch something up because clearly something is not working. And that thing you should do is you should put Zadina on the top line, either that or put Zadina on the second line and move Fabry up to the top because Athenasinu is not doing shit. Hell no. But you know, what's kind of nice right now is even though they haven't freaking scored because their power play in Dan Bilesma's system has been awful. Yeah. Zadina you know, is every, getting whoever time on is the coach. Mm-mm, we're not going there. Zadina is actually getting time with these top skill players instead of being stranded on shit fuck Island on the third line right now. And it's yeah. what's been fantastic tonight to watch too. Have you watched the tic-tac-toe passing and the, and just the ping pong yeah. passing he's had oh, with their passing's uh, been and very good. It's been beautiful. Like he made a play on this last power play where he brought it down the sideboards, brought it in toward the faceoff dot and then did a quick drop pass to Larkin who moved around the point. I've seen really good moves from Philip Zadina. They're not, I mean, they're not getting him the puck when he's open. Of course, he's not shooting as much because he's got closed lanes and there's no point in hitting the defender in front of you Mm. or whatever. But he's in the time that he's got, he's looked good. Now, people will say, oh, Zadina's been garbage. Well, they're looking at a stat sheet and seeing that he hasn't scored. He's got, what, one assist through four games. But Mm. he's looked good. The passes he's making are crisp. 
they've apparently one of the things they told him to do was work on his give and go game. He's done that. He looks good. He looks ready. You need to put him with talent so that he can succeed. The kid's not going to thrive unless you can put him with people that can set him up in the opposite way. He's working on his give and go. Get him with Larkin. Let let him pass to Larkin and see if Larkin oh. can bury some. Mm-hmm. You okay, bud? Zadina assist. I'm sorry. Okay. But, <laughs> but like, it, it's, it's just maddening to watch him roll the same lines out over and over and the results be constantly the same. And then his post-game press conference is, well, we tried really hard. It looked like we did good in the first and third. The second we broke down a little bit, but we put in a good game and we're developing. But you, you need – at some point, the fans are fresh. I mean, we're already frustrated, but we're frustrated because you're doing the same thing over and over again. We know we're not going to win, but let's try some stuff. Why not try some stuff? Mm-hmm. Plus, I love the Red Wings' new goal light, and I want to see it happen more. So we are now collectively, as the Grindline podcast, on Team Fire Jeff Blaschel. Can I so, just throw my two cents in here about Jeff Blaschel? Yeah, but that, that, that's coming out of your allotted 10 cents per night, so you're already four cents out. Well, but, I'm sorry, but, but I do have some stuff to say. It's actually kind of coincidental that... Um, that I'm sorry, it's what? Coincidental? Coincidental? Is that how you There we go. There you got it. There you go. Okay, so it's kind of coincidental that during that Toronto game, or, or maybe it was after the Toronto game for the Philly game, I don't remember, but as Ryan, I saw Ryan tweet out something. It was, it was about a paragraph long saying uh, something about Jeff Blaschel. And as soon as uh, I saw yeah. that, before that, I was thinking the same exact thing and didn't tweet anything because I, I didn't want to look like an idiot. At the same time, and, and you know, I've, I've been busy to begin with. But I've been thinking this for a little bit, and it was getting there, getting there. And then finally, I believe it was the Philly game, or if it wasn't the Toronto game, it was one of those two games, and I was pissed. I, I just it's Probably Toronto time. because they played like garbage. I think it might have been the Philly game, though, because, yeah, they played garbage against Toronto, but Toronto has been playing good. I think it was the Philly game. Even though they played decent, I just don't think that they're getting up – to play these games. The structure is not there. Sure, they don't have the talent, but that doesn't mean you can't work hard, and this team doesn't work hard either. Well, they, they I give them the benefit the last few games where they've really been trying to play. Uh, the, like I said, the Toronto game was a complete mess. There was no structure. There was no system. Passes were mm-hmm. going nowhere. Guys were running into each other. It's It was a complete mess of a game, but I think the Washington game, they looked really good. Tonight against New York, one of the goals was a fluke. A guy coming out of the penalty box, no one back to cover him. And in, it's Bernie in net. I mean, Bernie has been decent. Howie's been, been decent. Half dead. They both, they both face upwards of 40 shots a night. I'm kind of excited to see if, if you guys, I mean, you're all Red Wings fans and you listen to us. We got Eric Comrie on a trade. Uh, <laughs> we traded Billy Sariarvi for Eric Comrie, who's a 24-year-old goaltender. His... His NHL stats through five games have been pretty horrible, but he's been a very good AHL goalie. And I I might be able to attribute his NHL stats to, again, a bad team in front of him. So this team's not going to do him any favors. But uh, the Arizona media plus Ted Colfin seem to think that he's a promising goalie. I think Ted Colfin even went as far to tweet as um, Eric Comrie could be the goalie of the future for the Red Wings. So How old I, I, I think he's 24. Oh, okay. I don't know shit about him. I just saw the trade and I was like, oh, okay. Well, 
another Arizona media person said that he is a student of the game, that he is a walking, basically, goalie encyclopedia. He wants to know everything there is to know, wants to know every stat, wants to know every analytic. He is a goalie encyclopedia, and they a lot of them were very sad to see him go because he was kind of a victim of circumstance with how good the goalies in Arizona. Like, Darcy Kemper's been amazing. So... With how good the the goalies have been in Arizona, they were able to trade Comrie for Vili Sariarvi. I, I mean, some of the Griffins fans, I'm sorry, Keith, uh, you're going to be kind of mad that uh, Sariarvi was never going to make the Red Wings. Uh, he was passed up in the depth chart pretty quickly, especially by some of the guys that we got recently in the Iserman draft in guys like uh, Antti Tuomisto, uh Albert Johansson, guys like that, that are just developing great in the Swedish league and looking real good. So sorry, RV was passed over pretty quick. And, and I mean, it, it helps the log jam in Grand Rapids because that was a big problem and it gets us a, a goaltender while Jimmy's injured. At least we can see what we've gotten him uh, to see what pieces could possibly be moved. But that's kind of where we're at with, with that. To your, uh, your comment there, Tyler, it was the Philly game where I pretty much lost my shit. Um, I, I had to kind of rewrite the tweet a few times too, because I was, it was way more harsh, if you will. But, uh, the the continuation of four plus goals game in and game out was what set me over the edge. Yeah. There's no structure whatsoever. There's none. No. And that's what happens. Uh, and, and that leads to what was probably going to happen tonight. They're going to lose their 10th game in a row. And that's, I mean, the season in a nutshell is win one, lose eight, win, win one, <laughs> lose seven, win one, lose 10. And I mean, I think we'll be lucky to end with 65 points on the year, which I think my estimation at the beginning of the year was 73. I don't think we're going to hit 73, but what are, what are they projecting at right now? Doesn't the athletic do their point projections every day? Uh, I haven't looked. All I know is when I see Micah's uh, charts come out with like the infinite sadness chart, we're always at like the bottom Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's like everyone's point projections are are going up, going up. I think ours right now on Micah's from this morning was 71 points. (laughs) That's Uh, So Dom was using, he posts his daily projected point standings. Detroit's projected for 62. Yeah. So that's that's more realistic. That's really bad. And I mean, we're at the bottom. What's Ottawa projected? 10 points better. See, so we're at the last, we are projected to be last place in the entire league by like 10 points. God damn it. Which, if you look at it right now, we are, uh, we have 17 points through 29 games played. The next worst team is New Jersey. They've got 22 points through 25 games played. They have played four less games than us and have five more points. And that's, I mean, our goal differential, like we said earlier, is negative 53 right now. The next worst goal differential is New Jersey, and they're at a negative 25. They're pretty bad, too. And they're bad. I mean, today, what, they just get Julius Honka? They traded for Julius Honka yesterday. So their defense, I think, might improve a little bit. But, like, that's, that's, that's staggering. Those numbers are insane. You you don't get. I mean, even last year's Senators weren't that bad. The Devils so, are getting blown out again tonight too. 
but that's okay because the Devils will lose three and win one or lose four and win one. They're not losing 10 and winning one. That just doesn't happen. I think we're going to move on from losing before it makes us more angry. Yeah, and we're going to move on to something else. Uh, well, it's which about is, to be worse because we just went on the penalty kill. So, Which is not surprising to me. And that is Mike Babcock is a huge piece of shit. And I think we've known that for quite some time. Um, I, I guess we just didn't know it to the extent uh, mm-hmm. of what it was. And we all kind of laughed oh, like, oh, ha, ha, uh, Mike Commodore, he's he's making fun of Babcock again. Or like, and, and then this stuff comes out that Babcock like made Mitch Marner, like made a threw Mitch Marner under the bus when he was a rookie by making him make a list of people he thought weren't didn't have good work ethic. And then he went to those players and said, like, hey, Mitch thinks you suck. And like, that's not cool to do. But then we learned today that uh, Mike Babcock emotionally abused Johan Franzen on the bench in 2011-12 to the point where Franzen had a panic attack Mm -hmm. or an anxiety attack. And, And Franzen today is quoted saying he's probably the best coach, but he's literally like the worst human being he's ever met. And... And all this stuff keeps coming out. Carlo Koliakovo even backed up a while ago saying that all the vets in the room have went to Ken Holland and said, you need to fire Babcock. And Ken Holland said no. And if they didn't like it, they could just request to be traded, which is kind of a dick response. And and I mean, some of this is going to be a lot of it's put on Babcock for being a terrible person, just frankly being a terrible person. But I, I don't think I can let. Ken Holland off the hook for that kind of response. I, I just, I guess I, I, I want to hear a response Ken, from Holland. He hasn't said anything. That's the, that's the one I was getting ready to bring up. Has anyone asked Ken Holland about the, these things? Um, I don't know if they've asked him, but he has not put out a statement. So Ken Holland's not going to respond to it. Guaranteed. He was the ultimate deflector. But what's your, what's your take on the whole Babcock thing? Well, with the Marner thing, I was indifferent. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, I get it. You're going to be tough on a player. Was it over the line? Yeah, more more or less because of how it was handled. But that one, I was just like, meh, it's, it's, it's going to go away. That's no big deal. But then the fucking floodgates open. And if you don't pay attention to Mike Commodore, on uh, on the Twitter sphere, Kami, as you see often, he has been an outspoken critic of him, former Red Wing for a short time, and he absolutely despises, hates any negative connotation or negative word you could think of. He would use again uh, about Mike Babcock, and the fact that no one wanted to come play for Detroit, as was the rumor all these years, has now truly started to make the most sense. And I went from respecting the guy. Yes, he's still a great coach. There's no question about that. But he is literally, from everything that has come out now, the biggest piece of shit human being. And there's there's really no question about it. It, it it's mind blowing the fact that how you can be so manipulative and so shitty toward people. Like this, if the the Chelios piece, the, the him talking about Madano, him bringing up Franz, and then Franz and coming out and talking about it. Carlo Kaliakovo's comments about what he, how he was toward people, it, it just went on for years, 
Ken Holland knew every little bit about it. And yet the players that were affected, great players on this team, were told, if you don't like it, we'll trade you. Like, how the fuck yeah. do you do that? Like, Chris yeah. Chilliers is a Hall, Hockey Hall of Famer. And he's like, well, you got to deal Touch with it. it. Yeah, like, it's, it's, and it's super frustrating because, of course, the majority of people are going to be like, wow, Babcock, like, that's a, it's a real shit move you did there. But then there are people like, well, why did you wait so long to tell someone? Doesn't matter now. You didn't tell anyone. It's like, dude, that's one. That's victim blaming. Like, don't do that. Don't be that guy. And two, uh, the players did tell someone they told their direct boss. They told Ken Holland, hey, like, look what Babcock is doing. You need to get rid of him. You need to do something. And Holland just said, basically said too bad. And then a lot of people are like, well, why don't the newspapers report on it? Have you looked at our beat writers lately? You think mm-hmm. Helene St. James is going to post a negative article about the Red Wings? You think Ansar Khan is going to post a negative article about the Red Wings? No. Nope. He, if, if a Red Wing went up to Ansar Khan and said, listen, I'm, I, I need to tell you this story, and then they told it to him, he would look at them and say blocked and walk away. The That's other thing happen. you have to remember, too— um, of those times, getting any information out of the Red Wings in those times was trying to get uh, information out of Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. It wasn't happening. Yeah, it's I mean, you can't say, well, it happened five years ago, so it, it doesn't matter now. And he's just being a baby about it because he wants attention like that's the completely wrong look. Uh, the dude was he was verbally abused by his coach. A dude who has history of concussions and depression and suicidal thoughts, who you had gave a anxiety attack, multiple anxiety attacks to, who then said he didn't want to go to the rink. Like he didn't want to go to the rink after that. And he only showed up for his team. Like that's you're you're a really shitty dude if that's what you do to your players because you claim to be old school and that's how you get the most out of them. No, it's not like I'm I'm a hundred percent and I don't want to say a hundred percent positive because I don't know the dude. I'm ninety-eight percent positive that Gerard Glant is not a huge dick to his players. Mm-hmm. And you know how good the Vegas Golden Knights have been since day one? Yep. Like come on. I was on. really upset when they when he was uh picked up by Vegas. When he got fired in the worst possible way in Florida, I really wanted him to come to Detroit. <sighs> And that's what people keep saying. Well, we need to go get Gallant, and he's locked up by Vegas. Vegas ain't letting oh, him yeah. go. Are you kidding me? But that's, I think it's the one thing we can say about Blash is all the players have always said that Blashell is a player's coach. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not a Babcock clone. Uh, he just not. sounds like Babcock. But they say he's a player's coach and and does stuff for the guys and listens to the guys and makes it a team friendly atmosphere. So that's the good thing. But then the other thing that came out to and and we've been off for quite a bit is Bill Peters is apparently also uh, gets the runner-up award, or actually he might beat Mike Babcock. No, he's, he's still, I think, number one, but Babcock and him are neck. It's 1A, 1B. Yeah. But I think, I think Peters has secured the 1A job. So Bill Peters was uh, hurling racial, um, racial comments towards Akeem Alou, who, again, people are like, Akeem Alou, who the hell is that? He just wants attention. No, he has nothing to gain from coming out with this. He's 30 years old. He's playing for the Orlando Solar Bears in the ECHO, which is part of the Tampa uh, system. I thought he was. I thought he was free. You know, he's free agent right now. 
Is he? he? That's who he was with last season. Last, I think yeah. last year was his final season. I think he's currently a free agent. He lives in the uh, Western Canada right now, I believe. But but again, he's 30. No mm-hmm. one's grasping to get Akeem Alou on their team. Former second-round uh, pick. He's But as a 20-year-old, was racially berated by Bill Peters. Takes no – there's no way in this entire world that that should happen in professional sports in even 10 years ago. How about in any sports anywhere? Yeah, in 2000, in 2009, 10 years ago, and people were like, well, it was 10 years ago. Uh, you didn't report it when it came up, so it doesn't matter now. No, it 100% matters. Yeah, and, there's no statute of limitations on being a fuckwad. And then again, it comes out that uh, he punched Mikel Jordan in the head repeatedly on the bench. One, how does that happen without cameras catching it? And and. Two, like he wouldn't even own up to it. And and then they go and they uh, interview Rod Brendamore and Rod Brendamore is like, yep, that definitely happened. Mm-hmm. And like, dude, what? Why aren't you any in of Rod Brendamore said, well, I brought it up to ownership. I reported it to who I was supposed to report it to and left it in their hands, which to me says that sucks. And at that time was that, that was, was Carmanos. Calgary, so that was Carmanos. Mm-hmm. Then Carmanos sold the team. Carolina. So now I'm wondering if, like, Carmanos is like, oh, shit, I don't want to be wrapped up in all this stuff. I might as well sell the Hurricanes. Um, but, like, then what happened? Is the NHL going to say they never heard about it? So Bill Peters, they – now the other thing that pissed me off is Tree Living did this whole press conference, and it was the softest as baby shit press conference I've ever heard in my life where there was no accountability uh, he he all, all he really said was that the comments were repulsive, that he didn't uh, that uh, he accepted Bill Peters resignation. And then he was asked, like, well, is Bill Peters going to get paid the rest of his contract? He wouldn't answer that question. So uh, there's, there's zero accountability for what's happened. So Babcock's a huge piece of shit. He gets fired. Of course. Now, he didn't get fired because he was a huge piece of shit. He got fired because the team was failing. Bill mm-hmm. Peters didn't get fired. Bill Peters, res- you allowed him to resign. So no one knows what's going to happen going forward. So are the problems removed? Now, I don't think Bill Peters will never have an NHL job again. Never. No. I find it hard. It's kind of getting that way for Babcock, Babcock as well. Yeah, I don't Babcock. I don't think will ever have a an NHL job again either. After all this stuff that's coming out with him, but I guess now I know the NHL is still investigating the the Bill Peters thing. I think now a Chicago assistant coach is being called in. Uh, Mark been, Crawford. Yeah, Crawford. That guy's been a by the team. I've hated um, him since Colorado. Yeah, he's been suspended by the Blackhawks uh, during the investigation that's happening What's, now. What actually happened there? Because I, I have no idea. I just saw I, th- the, I only saw the statement. I think he's just part of the squad of, of people that are coming out now that knew about incidents and stuff. Yeah, that but, guy's just a huge douchebag. If you've ever listened to, like, uh, do you know Patrick O'Sullivan? He used to be on, like, NHL Network. A lot of people don't like him. Well, he had, his own po- he had his own podcast for a little bit, and I used to listen to it. And he always said, like, Mark Crawford is the biggest fucking scumbag in the world. And, like, this you could have figured that out by thing. watching him coach hockey games. Well, it, of course. But, like, you know, you always want to hear the inside of, of that kind of thing. And then, you know, when you go into piece of shit coaches of all time, Mike Keenan's right up there, too. 
A lot mm-hmm. of people go on spitting chicklets and talking about Mike Keenan about how much of a fucking douchebag he was. And, and you know, I remember it firsthand. I remember watching it firsthand <laughs> when he was in Boston. It, I think it was like 02, 03, sometime around there. And my dad, every single day, they need to fire Mike Keenan. This guy's a loser. This guy, this guy degrades his team. He wouldn't just do it, like, inside. He would do it to the public. This guy was the biggest scumbag in the world. You think Mike Babcock's a scumbag. This guy was fucking 35 times worse. I wish stuff would come out about, about Mike Keenan. I bet you he's still doing this shit over in the KHL right now. Probably. Chelly mentioned something about him today, but he didn't go into any stories. Yeah, he didn't go into much. Um, I'm trying to think what players. The, there's been a couple players on Chicklets that have, that have gone into some Mike well, Keenan stories, and some of them are fucked up, and some of them are just downright like funny, like... Keenan like challenged him to a fight and he's like tell me to fuck myself or we're fighting or like you know just stuff like that but it, it's also stuff like that 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 you deal with in the real world too I've had coaches what? that that hold on a second hold on a second I've had coaches in the real world that get in my face grab my face mask and scream at me you know you need to start doing this or you're not going anywhere and you know what some players can respond to that and other players don't it, and other players don't respond to that. It's up to you to know what players to push what buttons to. Now, I'm not saying that it's okay to to, to degrade somebody and, and, and you know to tell to have them have a nervous breakdown or anything like that. I'm not saying that's okay at all. But it is okay to be hard on certain players and and hard to the point where you know it hurts. It hurts and it should hurt. And because most of the time when when you get screamed at like that. Your your ass is in gear and you're you're out there firing on all cylinders. Some but players, he, some players not so here's much. Here's the thing. There's a difference there's a though. Difference there's between a fine being, line. There's a difference between being a red ass and there's a difference between uh, and then there's a difference between emotionally abusing your players. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Franzen would not go into what was said exactly to him. Mm-hmm. But if you can berate someone enough to give them an anxiety attack, that's different than just telling them they suck. Yeah, I agree. And, and and like like I said, there's a fine line. Things have changed a lot over the last couple of years, and that's why you see teams like Boston getting rid of Claude Julian, who's who's a lot more um, you know not physical, but like you know more vocal, and and he's, he asks a lot more of his team then you see them bring in like a player's coach like Bruce Cassidy and look at all the success that they've had and Toronto look at you know they fired Babcock and look at look at the the young Sheldon players respond yeah, yeah Sheldon Keith's done a, a tremendous job um there there's a bunch of different examples around the league um so it's there's a fine line you guys will agree with that there's a fine line between being a fucking cocksucker and and just being <laughs> just being hard hard on your players which I, I think, think, the, I I think, think the big difference is, Tyler, is that in in the nine, 80s and 90s, it was more the enforcer era. era. It was more the brute era, more yeah. that you didn't need to have talent. You could just go in and beat someone up and score a dirty goal. Now it's you've got a bunch of guys, and it's a much more talented, much more skilled game. You're trying to teach them. You're trying to develop them. You're trying to make them better players and to play against the higher level of talent. And 
and it's not the brute mentality. It's not the get in there and beat people up mentality. It's the, how are we going to come together as a team to score goals? How are we going to come together as a team to outperform this other team? Not how are we just going to get in there, get dirty, beat people up and, and play like that. The, it's it's changed because how we develop as people have has changed a bit, especially in sports, because sports is now not just a box of the same kind of players playing a game. It's a bunch of honest, different kind of skills. I got to be honest with you. I'd rather have these problems in the league than have the problems that the NBA does with Kyrie Irving, you know, just skipping games because he wants to skip games. My thing is, is I'd rather not have I'd rather have the league look at the problem and just kill it right now. Have every team needs to do a thorough investigation of their staff. Every team needs to change how they vet their staff, how they hire. They need to do more thorough background checks. They need to talk to previous players who have played for that coach. And that's how it happens. You need to go in and if you're going to hire a coach, you need to go to that coach's previous teams and say, I need five players from each of his previous teams and we need to interview them about this coach. How was he as a coach? Did you have any incidents with him? Did any of your players ever bring up any incidents with the coach? And then you, you go from there. But I think the league needs to develop a better vetting process for how coaches come in. And, and what questions need to be asked and, and how backgrounds are looked at. Because when you've got a guy like, like Bill Peters and then all this stuff comes out, you got to ask yourself how he made it through those processes and, and became a head coach. And it stayed silent for so long until something comes up and then you just accept his resignation. Like mm-hmm. it, it, this stuff has to be discovered before you even hire a coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. That makes sense with Bill Peters, but Further back, if you go into the Babcock era, I mean, like, those those teams that he coached could have been coached by you and I. Those those teams were just so fucking loaded. It's not even funny. Those those Red Wings teams. And you 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 might start to ask yourself if Bab and I've always been a Bab Babcock su- supporter because I do I did like the guy. I do still like the guy as a coach, not as a person. That's that's totally different. Um, now you start to ask yourself, maybe that's why those teams flamed out in the first round and in the 100%. second round. And, and, you know, they just got so tired of, of listening to them. And, and in a way, I, I personally was one of those people when, when they, they didn't bring him back that was like, oh, well, I think they're making a big mistake. Now the players are going to be soft because, you know, they got their way. But you know what? None of those players, if you remember that next year, um, said anything about missing Mike Babcock or anything like that. So uh, now it no, makes you I wonder mean, even if, if they would have had a better, a be- probably more Stanley Cups or even at least less first-round exits if Babcock wasn't such a douchebag or if they would have not hired him in the first place. Well, we've, I mean, they even asked Zetterberg about Babcock and ba- uh, and, and Zetterberg basically, and he's a ni- like the nicest guy alive, and he's not going to go on about a coach. But I think it's the most he's like, it was time for a change. Babcock mm-hmm. needed to move yep. on. Yep. It was time. It, he, 10 years is a long time or whatever he said. And like that's from from Zetterberg. You you, you listen to that and you go, ooh, some stuff kind of happened. Like I, it's just interesting how all the puzzle pieces kind of fell together to show that, yeah, Babcock was a dick bag. 
yes, he likely was the reason that we were not landing those free agents that we were hoping for between 06 yep. and 2013. Oh, Chelly even said yeah. that. Vets didn't yeah. want to play for Babcock. No, and, and that's why that's like where the threats came out from the Chelios interview, where if either you're going to play and shut your mouth or we're going to trade you, come talk to me. That was the quote unquote, I guess you could go with the, the rough quote, I should say, from Ken Holland. And here to know that, I mean, I was talking to wife earlier. She's like, I'm not surprised by any. She's she is not surprised by any of things come from Babcock because you look at him, you're like, he just looks like a pompous dickhead. Hey, and you, you look at Ken, talk, you see him screaming on the bench. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Ken Holland. He he looks like a pompous dickhead, and now it all makes friggin' sense. And now I want, I really want to see, and it's not going to happen. One of these top writers go after Ken Holland right now. Well, I want to. I yeah, first, I want Ken Holland's response. He needs I to make him. That, no comment is, is terrible. I, I want to hear a com- at least a, a prepared written statement or something, because right now he has gone through and hired most of these guys, a couple of these guys that are at issue with Peters and Babcock. He's now out there in the, in the West Coast doing a cushy job. I'm surprised there hasn't been anything from Eiserman as well because of but maybe it was a little bit different scenario being with the Canada national team. You got to think so because of the tier of the level of player that they had there. But to not hear anything from Ken Holland with all this stuff going on is kind of damning. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm looking on Twitter now. Ken Holland has not said anything, but everyone's asking for him to say something. Yep. So I we'll could see, see something small coming out, just like a, 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 written a half-ass statement. written statement by the Edmonton Oilers, you know, by Ken Holland or whatever. But I don't I don't see him, you know, taking these questions from the media. I just don't I don't see that even if he has a. A press conference about something else i just i don't see the media might ask it and he like i said before he's the ultimate deflector as was mike babcock and so that's why you didn't get anything out of those people in those times and you still won't get anything out of them they he's not going to give you information he's no. going to deflect it he's oh well you know those are those times that are you know just something douchebaggish like that and i'm not saying ken holland's a douchebag at all but I'm just saying that, you know, he's a deflector. He's, an he's very deflector. good at not answering questions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, that, that's the perfect way to put um, it. So we got a, a Twitter update. So, so you know how Sarah told us to go to sleep? I responded with, we are recording and not paying much attention. Maybe he'll get an assist. And then he got an assist. <laughs> and she just tweeted back at us in all caps, the prophecy has been fulfilled. So, <laughs> so we're, we're one for one with the Zadina predictions for tonight. Um, but yeah, you know what's worse, on. just to carry, just to kind of carry on that point, is uh, I'm scrolling through right now, and Iyer just made comment that Zadina did not have a shift after getting that assist. Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Um, but sorry, I, I had, had to rain on your parade real quick. You're 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 all good. But we're <laughs> gonna move on to our final topic of the night, which comes from a, a Twitter question that we got. And I thought this one was actually a really good topic because it can be expanded on a little bit in the, what, 15, 20 minutes we got left. Um, they ask, do we think the Wings will be able to compete when our core players are still relevant? Now, they listed Larkin, AA, Mantha, and Burt. I will tell mm-hmm. you, if Athens CU is here beyond this year, I would be very surprised. Um, it better be at I, a hell of a discount. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think that you brought in a guy like Robbie Fabry. Robbie Fabry has been a bomb for this team he has been amazing he he's got great chemistry with Bertuzzi he's played well with Larkin 
He's got second line minutes right now. If Zadina's not up on the first line, I want to see Fabry up on the first line because mm-hmm. he's he's making stuff happen. He is doing now. He does not have the speed that Athanasiu has, but he's got better hand. I would say he's got better hands and a better finish, and he yes. knows how to get to the open ice uh, better. So I will trade that for Athanasiu's speed. Now. Uh, the question is kind of interesting because I would say that the Red Wings competition window where they start to be competitive for a cup is between five to seven seasons. So by then Larkin will be, what's he 23 now? Mm-hmm. So he'll be 28, which I mean, is that's still, pretty damn good. And if he, if that's, that's, if they're at that point, I think at 25, or 26, you start to incrementally decline at a very slow pace until you hit like 32 or 33, and then it goes a little faster. Um, Prashant talked about this too the other day, and because I was arguing with someone who says that Athanasiu hasn't even hit his prime yet, and then I lost my mind. But um, <laughs> Athanasiu is 25, Mantha, I believe, is also 25, and Bertuzzi's 24. So will we be competitive while they're in their primes and or while they're still relevant now Larkin yes I think Larkin is the kind of player that could carry his game uh, much like Crosby not the same level but much like Crosby carries his game much like Taves carries his game uh, being consistent for almost their entire career um Mantha seems to be a late bloomer. He's catching eye. He's without his injury. I mean, even when he comes back, it's career season for Mantha. I think he, even after missing this many games may still be able to hit 40 goals. We'll see what happens. Um, Mantha, I would say in five to seven seasons, will still be probably on the same trajectory. Mm-hmm. Bert, Bert is Bert. And he's kind of, to me, Bert's the anomaly. I, I really don't know what he is because He's way overachieved. I don't think anyone knew or even could think that Burt would be what he has become this year uh, for where he was drafted and where he actually originally projected. I don't think even projected as high as we took him, but it's he's turned into a very good player. He's one of the best tip in guys in the entire league. And I I could see. and, And again, he's 24. So in five years, he'll be 29. I could I could see it going going through and staying around the same as long as he has a supporting cast like Mantha and Larkin. Athanasi is the only one I'm going to take out of the picture because I don't think he'll be here in the long run. He's horribly inconsistent. He's gone. How many games now without a goal? Too many. I, don't know. I just know he's been awful tonight. Yeah, too many. Uh, he he tries to. I don't know if he thinks he, he has the ability, like phase shifting ability where he can just go through things, but like he sees three guys in front of him and he just thinks he can rush through them. And every single time they take the puck away. So I just, I, he's not getting the breakaways cause they know what he is. So they know if they stay ahead of him, he's not going to get by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's once you're, if your only weapon is speed, once you get figured out, you're kind of screwed. And that's, I think, what's no. happened. That's what's happened with Athanasiu this season. But uh, I guess to answer the question, 
the players, our main core of players will still, I believe they will still be relevant when we are ready to compete because then they will be the veterans of the team. So you've got your Zetter, for lack of a better comparison, you've got your Zetterberg, Datsuk, uh, in Larkin and Mantha when you're, Mm -hmm. when, when, when you're ready to compete again, just like, I mean, just like you've got your, and you'll have your rookies in, I guess Zadino will be a maybe three year player by then, four year player by then. Valeno coming up. Rasmussen. McIsaac will be in probably his second year, third year. Bergren. Cider Cider will be in his fourth year. You'll have probably have Bergren in. You'll probably have two, two Omisto, who is just freaking destroying it. Elmer Soderblom, who's just a phenom. I don't know what happened with him. He's just blown up the league. So you'll have in five to seven seasons. And with Steve Eiserman, this team is going to be completely different. But I do think they will still be relevant because I think those are some of the guys who throughout their career don't really lose their relevance. Yeah. Especially Larkin. Yeah. yeah. He, the way he plays the game, I mean, you could – in a way you can compare him to a Taves like player. Yeah. Yeah. I said that really, it's really weird, but you get what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make, that is what you want to build your team around. And that is what the black now is he to the level of Jonathan Taves, not necessarily, but he's right up there and that is what you need. And do they still need a few more? Yeah, of course. Do they potentially have that diamond in the rough now coming out of Mantha? I mean, yeah, he's a first round pick, so you would hope so. But he is getting – we talked about this ad nauseum over the summer. If he had continued on the, the tear that he was going on from the world championships, that he was bound to have a great year. And, of course, before he got hurt, he was on pace for 40 freaking goals. Well, so, like 43. Yeah, around there. Either way, he was shooting for 40. But the biggest thing is that Larkin, five years from now, is creeping up. He's still south of 30. You're going to have Mantha hitting 30 going going over. But all these younger guys that they've drafted and are starting to develop, like the Valino, Zadina, Bergeron, Ethan Phillips, if you want to get ballsy. I mean, all these guys that are uh all all these younger guys in the system that are going to get around and be around this team. And if you keep a guy like Fabry, which I think you absolutely should. It's huge. And then, of course, right on cue, a guy that we're frustrated with and freaking Anthony Sioux just missed a wide open net. But anyways, um, (laughs) right as I'm talking, of course, that's why I got distracted. But uh, it's the core that's there. They still need a large piece. So is it ready? Not quite. But there's enough promise there. And for how much this roster is going to change in the next two seasons, especially after this year for all the contracts that fall off, there is hope. And we keep kind of touching on that. No, I hate everything right now, and that's besides the point. But I think to go to focus on that question, yes, they can do it with the the small core that's there. They need to make a few adjustments, but the potential is pretty damn high. Yeah, I agree. I I agree. I mean – Larkin, we've already touched on. We can, we all three of us can agree that he will be there, um, probably still ascending at that point, <laughs> um, or or at least you know to the best of his ability, you know his playing ability. Then you have Mantha, which I actually do have questions about, to be honest with you. And the only reason I say that is because he does still have some of that in his game 
where if he's not 100%, he's not going 100%, he's not scoring, he's not doing a whole lot on the ice. So he, he can be invisible at times. Like I said, he reminds me a little of Johan Franzen at times. For as much as Johan Franzen scored, you would see him you know four or five games in a row, and then you wouldn't see him for 10 and, and so that does remind me a little bit of Mantha. But, you know, he's gotten a little bit con- more consistent, and hopefully that continues to ascend as we go forward here. Bertuzzi, I would think so. I mean, I, I don't look at him as, as this first-line player. I think he's more of a second or, or maybe even a third-line player at that point. I don't think that he's going to be on the first line going forward just because I think we're going to have an influx of talent at some point, um, which is going to push him back further. Um, and then you go to AA. I mean, we, we all agree AA is not going to be on this team at, the, at, at that point, I wouldn't think, unless you know he hits some magic... Um, a, <laughs> some magic run where he starts. Yeah, unless he goes on like a at a ridiculous game run for the rest of the season. Yeah, and, if that's and, the case, I, they would have been two first round picks for that son of a bitch. <laughs> exactly, and so that's that's just the point I'm trying to make. Uh, as far as the young guys go, I mean, we already pretty much touched on it with with um, Cider and and Zadina and Valeno as well, and and some of the other guys as well. So. Yeah, including including whoever we draft this year, because like I said, I mean, th- yeah, this... Alexi Lafreniere, like, <laughs> well, you know what? And, and that's the thing. If you do get a first overall pick or, or, or even the second overall pick, you might end up having a player that's even better than Dylan Larkin. Uh, yes, I, they will. Yeah, if it's the number one say... overall pick. They had their franchise centerman, which is yeah, what, if you've got what Lafreniere... we've been looking for since Datsuk and Zetterberg um, moved on. Well, yeah, if you get Lafreniere, if you get Raymond, if you get Byfield, you're getting a, a top three players. You're getting a star player. Now, I really want people to stop saying, well, if we don't pick first, we should take the goalie. Like, mm, I don't think so. I'm not taking Askarov unless I'm picking like 13, 10, 13. Because I, I get people want to say that he's an amazing generational goalie, but you don't know that until he gets into the NHL. And it's very, very risky to pick a goaltender in the top 10. Yeah, um, you're not finding a Carter Hart every year like they like Philly was able to find. No, but uh, uh, if we just want to do a little scoring update, um, and Brad over at uh, Wing Wheel Podcast posted this a little bit ago, uh, <laughs> Philip Zadina. Now has more points than Franz Nielsen, Adam Ernie, uh, Perlini, Daly, Erickson, Biega, and Christopher N. And this is his fifth game. So... Can we just talk about this for a second, too? Brendan Perlini has not impressed me one bit. Uh, he's gotten good chances. He just doesn't bury the puck. But again, he's playing with third and fourth line plugs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, until we get our entire roster situated, you really don't know what you got. Even like Adam Ernie. Adam Ernie's tough he's a tough guy he gets in there he gets into the corners he battles for pucks i've seen him get some good chances but if you for the life of you try to pass to someone like franz nielsen or try to pass to someone like valtteri philpola or christopher n or literally anyone not named larkin mantha bertuzzi um and then every 15 times luke glendening no one's gonna score so that's the problem but uh, yeah, I just, I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to do. And that scares me and excites me at the same time because Steve Eiserman's a genius 
and he just makes these ninja-like moves under the cover of night when no one's paying attention with no notice or anything. And it's when, just, it's amazing. Greg, when he took over in Tampa, did they already have, Iser, uh, I'm sorry, did they already have Stamkos and Hedman? Yes. Yep. Okay, let's see, and, and that's the thing here. You don't have that here in Detroit, so it's going to take even longer than it did in Tampa Bay. No, uh, you, your, your next could. best is Larkin and Heronic is your comparison at this point. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. but even Heronic's not a, a top three pick. Wasn't Hedman a third overall pick or something? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much into where they're picked. Heronic is, I think your top pairing eventually is going to be Heronic Cider, even though I think they're both right-hand shots. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, at that point, I don't care. You've got Heronic for the offense and you've got Cider for the defense, and I think that's mm-hmm. a... That's a killer top pair. Uh, your second pairing's probably... Which is ironic that you mention it that way, but it's genius because Cider has looked fantastic defensively. Phenomenal. Well, I shouldn't say fantastic. I haven't watched a whole lot just in the highlights I see, so of course it looks fantastic to me. But <laughs> the those that I follow that love their Griffins dearly have had high praise, and that's all you can really care about right now. So, so Cider is, will be 18 years old for five more months. Um, if he gets 18 more points within those five months on the Griffins, he will have broken the record for points in a, uh, as an 18 year old in the AHL, uh, uh, for a defenseman, which is right now, um, I think 28 points, uh, for, uh, Rasmus Sandin, I think holds the record. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We talked about this, I think last podcast or the podcast before. What's he sitting at right now? 11, 11 points, I believe. 12 so points. So he's got one goal and 11, 10, 11, 12 assists. Yeah, he's just, I mean, everyone that watches, all the reporters that watch him play, they're like, what, he's 18? Like, he played, like, he just has the most mature game, The such a high hockey IQ. Mm-hmm. He plays the body like it's no one's business. He's not afraid to just destroy someone in open ice. Uh, if he puts on 12 more pounds, he's going to be so, uh, like I like that count just straight up 12 yeah. pounds. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be like a wrecking ball out there. Uh, Can I just say something? IQ. Can I just say something about Moritz Sider? And, and it's not it's not that I don't think he's going to be a good player. Can we stop comparing him to Nicholas Lidstrom? Can we Never. Stop calling German him? Lidstrom. Can we German, stop calling German, him German Lidstrom. Lidstrom, because he's not. Nobody's Nick they, Lidstrom. Uh, no one no. will ever be Nick Lidstrom. Eat shit, Tyler. Now, don't say that. But what we can, what I said earlier today, was that Cider, his his hockey, his poise, and his IQ level can be comparable to a, an early Nick Lidstrom. Yeah, well, but but here's the thing with Lidstrom. How how often did you ever see him hit somebody? You didn't. That doesn't matter. So if you can, if you can have the poise in the hockey IQ of Lidstrom with the physicality of Nick Cronwall, you're not telling me that that's somewhat better. I mean, if you watch the hits too, that Cider's doing, he's not like throwing himself into boards. He's making open body down. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) He's making these hits out in open ice while either going toward the puck. He's, he's playing someone that's trying to take him one-on-one and he's completely removing him from the play by putting a body on him. It's not. It's not as much that ciders hit someone. It's that people are bouncing off of cider. 
that's mm-hmm. that's more of what it is. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, and and this just goes back to to him being drafted and some people being disappointed, and then we're like, oh shit, this guy's actually pretty good. Well, it's impressive that the fact that they're letting him play in the AHL, which leads me to believe that he's gonna play at least six games in the NHL this year. Well, they might point. burn his entry level contract because what uh, the first year of it, because what happens is if they think he's gonna be that good and keep projecting at the pace that he is Mm -hmm. uh you want to lock him up before he just explodes and costs you a crap ton more money um so they may just go ahead and burn the first year of his entry-level contract which at this point i I don't know if it's it's worth it right now (sighs) but maybe going forward at the end of the year to just give him a chance and maybe not burn the elc but at least give him a chance and see what it looks like at, at this level because then it gives you a better idea of what it's going to look like next year, you know, presuming he makes the team. And they could get away with it, though, because you're going to have Heronic up in two years, so not this year, but after next season. What? You said Heronic. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at I'm looking at the defense, defensive contracts right now for the RFAs. Heronic and Schlowski are due the same year, so then that would put you one year past that with needing to re- get a, a contract set for Cider. So, I mean, it's it's possible i don't know i I wouldn't be against it but it's i mean because either way you look at it the biggest thing out of all of it is he would not be vegas or not vegas seattle um he wouldn't be available seattle expansion correct uh no so if they burn it they burn it first and second year players will not be available to seattle so yeah so yeah if they do it sure but i don't the only reason i don't see them doing it is because why not try to go for that slide and for where the team's at? I mean, if you want to do kind of what they did last year and bring up some of these guys and win games that take them out of the top spot, sure, go for it. But if they do, I'll be ecstatic because we we see how excited we all get for Zadina being up right now and how well he's playing. And now I can just only imagine how it would be if they had Zadina stays up the rest of the year and then you have Cider come up. You might actually see some asses in seats. Hell, even Rasmussen, bring him up too. He's he needs to get right his ass now. healthy. Yeah. And he was having a good year at the start of the year. He was too, having which a is very good year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is hurt. That's right. That's yep. right. He is Yeah, hurt. He, he hasn't caught a break this season. No no pun intended. What about even Svechnikov? Uh, he hasn't looked good since he got sent back. So. Which I, I was, well, that, that still that, pisses that, me off. That, that, yeah, that's the aggravating part. Well, I think that's what we got for tonight, and I want to get you guys' final thoughts before we close it out. And tonight we're going to start with Ryan. I don't even know what to say at this point other than I'm kind of sad. There's not enough alcohol to get us through this pain that is the Red Wings season so far. Um, And they're still setting at a solid minus 55 goal differential if the score stands tonight against the Islanders. So we suck. No, the Islanders got to score two more so that it's five to one. So fuck you, Greg (laughs) Tyler. Well, my final thoughts are I'm glad everybody enjoyed their holiday weekend. Um, I had a snow day today, so. What? Um, yeah, it was fucking what? ridiculous. We what had are like you, 12? A foot and a half, we had like a foot and a half of snow, dude. Yeah, we had a foot and a half of snow earlier this year, and no one got a snow day. Okay, well, I guess we're just um, huge babies here in Massachusetts. But anyways. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> anyways, admitting it. Glad everybody had a good holiday weekend. The Red Wings are just brutal. Uh, we all know it. So just have a couple drinks and, and just enjoy the terribleness. Or, or like like I have been doing, 
venture around the NHL, watch some other games, and uh, give yourself give yourself a break from watching this terrible team. I think uh, than watching the Lions. I think Tyler's or, final or thought. Michigan football. <laughs> I think Tyler's <laughs> final thoughts for the past like six episodes have been to drink. Well, you know what? You know what? The, oh my God, that was just a microcosm of the season. So yeah, so I guess that that is just my final thoughts, and uh, I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Uh, so my final thoughts are: pay attention to Twitter. Uh, if you are a Red Wings card, actually, if you are a Red Wings trading card collector, um, tweet to us at Grindline Pod. I want to know. Um, Upper Deck has blessed us with some phenomenal things to give away. If you look at our timeline, uh, you will see some recent uh, cards we've given away. There's some really cool stuff. Um, I've got like five or six more, maybe, maybe five more to give away. Um, and they're really cool. They're all insert cards. They're rare finds. They're limited prints. Uh, there's autograph stuff. Just tweet to me. If you are a card collector, show me your collection and I, we may give you a card. Um, but that's cool. Thanks to Upper Deck for doing that for us. Uh, our other sponsor is Howie's Hockey Tape. If you go to Howie'sHockeyTape.com and use the promo code GRINDLINE when you place an order, you get 10% off that entire order. Uh, they are a Michigan-made product. They ship to literally like every league in the country as well as overseas. Um, so it's always better to shop local, support local businesses. Um, so get Howie's, use promo code GRINDLINE at checkout, you get 10% off. My, I'm just using my final thoughts for promo spots because I'm so <laughs> sad about what's happening right now. But uh, like you said, you can follow us on Twitter at Grindline Pod. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Bringing the Wing. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, the Radio.com app, iHeartRadio. Pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found, we're there. And uh, you can check out our merch store if you go to redbubble.com and search The Grind Line. We've got some cool stuff on there. Um, I got to get back into a shirt-making kick. I generally do them for like a week, and then I get bored of it, and then I go a while and then make like six more. So, um, But for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>